Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Michael and Travis with you on the show that's about what's next in St. Louis. We talk to entrepreneurs. We talk to planners. Actually, those are our two interviewees on the show today. We've got a Travis, a Stereo Taxis, big growing startup that's not so new. They've been around for a while, and they've been at the vanguard of a couple of districts in St. Louis. And then also we're going to jump into the STL 2030 jobs plan. So entrepreneurs and planners on the show this week. One, one, we're talking about growth and locations. The other, we're talking about, you know, resources to the community, both for an entrepreneurial side, but also just overall resources as we're looking at, uh, you know, recovering from COVID. Yeah, the story of Stereo Taxis is pretty cool. They were founded in the 90s. So that's some real vintage St. Louis startup action right there. And their product has to do with using magnets to allow surgeons to do remote surgeries. It's really cool. It's complicated as well. So we'll get the official rundown on exactly how you describe what they do, what their pivots have been, how they got to where they are now. But Stereo Taxis was one of the first uh, companies into the Cortex Innovation District. They've been in the CET, the Center for Emerging Technologies building, for years. And they've grown so much that now they're headed downtown. They're going to the Globe building, which is right in between T-Rex and the upcoming square building. So right in the well, middle of the I, action there. I think, that that, I think that that district is now being branded as uh, now or north of Washington. Now and next. That's what we talk about on the show. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of what's next, how do we grow more companies like Stereo Taxis? How do we get more jobs of the future variety in St. Louis? We're going to get the latest on the STL 2030 jobs plan. And we're going to talk about a lot, like a lot, a lot of federal investment coming to St. Louis as part of their, our recovery. Stay tuned. We've got a lot to get to as we continue Nothing Impossible KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back on KMOX. Michael Calhoun with you. And let's profile a St. Louis startup that was one of the first into the Cortex Innovation District and is now making a move into downtown St. Louis just as an effort ramps up there to create a new innovation district. David Fischel is the CEO of Stereo Taxes joining us. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. So first of all, an introduction, Stereo Taxis, a St. Louis medical technology company. What is it that you do? So we make robots that allow for a specific type of minimally invasive uh, cardiac surgery, heart surgery to be performed 
to be performed with greater precision and greater safety for patients. And um, so we developed robots and interventional devices that allow uh, that specific type of heart surgery to take place. So is this a situation where the uh, the surgeon hands over the scalpel to the robot, or uh, t- talk about how this fits into providing uh, medical services? Sure. So uh, to some extent, uh, the robot serves as a as a tool for the physician to do a procedure with greater precision. And this is actually a type of minimally invasive surgery where the catheter navigates a, a catheter, which is almost a like a flexible tube uh, through the blood vessels. Usually you access the blood vessels through the leg and then you you move this catheter to the heart. And uh, and if a patient has a heart arrhythmia, so the the heart is beating irregularly, you can actually deliver ablative energy to specific portions of the heart through this catheter and, uh, and by doing so, get the patient back into a normal heart rhythm. And so um, that's obviously a difficult procedure uh, in a traditional cardiac ablation procedure, the physician is holding on to the catheter handle uh, with their hands and near the patient's leg. And yet the procedure has to take place three, four feet away at the catheter tip. And the mechanism of translating control from the handle to the tip is is not particularly precise. Uh, It's difficult to keep the tip stable. Uh, The catheter has to be somewhat rigid to allow for that translation of control. And that can introduce risks in in the delicate heart anatomy. And, uh, And we use very precisely controlled magnetic fields uh, at the patient's chest to actually take direct control of the catheter from the tip where the therapy is being delivered. And when you take direct control, you now have a level of precision and stability and a safety profile that is otherwise um, very difficult to match. And um, and the physician does this entire procedure seated behind a computer cockpit. Wow. And uh, so accuracy and reducing complications, it sounds like, is the big selling point. Uh, can you talk about cardiac arrhythmia? How, how common of a problem is this? How big of a market is there for your product? So unfortunately, cardiac arrhythmias are very, very common and, uh, and increasingly so, uh, partially because of demographic factors. They're, um, you're, you're particularly more likely to have an arrhythmia as you age. I think, uh, I think the statistics are that uh, for those over the age of 80, uh, you have about a 10% uh, chance of, uh, of having an arrhythmia. And, uh, and so there's millions of, uh, of people are in the U.S. who have arrhythmias. Um, and, and, and the second factor that has led to an increase in uh, in demand for therapies, just better diagnostic technologies. Uh, the Apple Watch, which isn't a diagnostic tool, but it by itself uh, can warn you whether when, when you have a potential arrhythmia uh, and the more medical uh, diagnostic technologies have also improved uh, dramatically over the last decade. And so you have more people who are getting arrhythmias, both due to obesity and age. Uh, you have kind of better diagnostic technologies. And uh, cardiac ablation has emerged over the last two decades as really a a primary form of therapy for for many of the, the arrhythmia patients. And so in a combined fashion, you have now a marketplace for cardiac ablation therapy of about 1 million procedures being done annually um, uh, across the Western world. And, and, um, and so it is a fairly, fairly common procedure. Uh, again, there's different types of arrhythmias. Uh, there's different, uh, there's some are easier to perform uh, by hand. Some are extremely difficult or impossible to do without our robot. Uh, generally, we are focused on enhancing uh, clinical outcomes for patients and helping physicians treat uh, patients with great safety and uh, and also enabling access to therapy for patients that otherwise wouldn't have any option. So uh, for those patients that have particularly complex hearts or particularly complex arrhythmias and they wouldn't have an option for therapy, uh, we try to help physicians uh, deliver that therapy. 
Stereo Texas was founded in 1990. Was it founded on the uh, the same surgery technique that we're discussing today? And then when you joined in 2017, uh, what was the financial situation for Stereo Texas? So the company actually originated with an idea to move uh, uh, radio isotopes, uh, radioactive uh, beads uh, to brain tumors. And the idea of, again, having direct control of an interventional device uh, in the body without having to actually physically hold it. You can imagine the magnetic fields as almost these invisible fingers that allow you to take control of a device, even though uh, it's it's deep within the body. Uh, and so originally, I believe the technology was focused on that application, uh, but then relatively quickly, uh, uh, the company pivoted towards uh, treating cardiac disease. Uh, cardiac disease is is obviously one of the one of the primary reasons why, uh, unfortunately, we pass away and why we have. Uh, and morbidity in our lives, uh, and and there is a lot of still unmet medical need in that field, and so that has been our primary focus for I believe something in the magnitude of about twenty years now. Uh, the technology came out. This technology, which is the only technology we really commercialized, and um, uh, came out about fifteen years ago, and so we've been focused on treating uh, cardiac arrhythmias uh, since that time. And uh, unfortunately, while the technology is highly innovative and and really has had a, a very positive impact on on hundred plus thousand patients, uh, with about a hundred hospitals globally that have now treated uh, over a hundred thousand patients with our technology, um, and so while clinically the impact has been has been really kind of a, a, a positive and uh, and and kind of nice to see the company was unfortunately poorly managed for for many years and so uh, between the roughly 2010 and 2017 time frame the company entered into a type of stasis and uh, in 2016 the company had uh, nearly 20 million dollars of debt uh, uh, almost no cash and was uh, losing uh, losing uh, you know several million dollars a year and so uh, I joined the company and really kind of one of the primary focuses was uh, putting the company in good financial footing and and uh, and making sure that it would be a, a reliable long-term partner for hospitals uh, for, for a long period of time. And at the same time, uh, we implemented a, a significant innovation effort uh, to advance the technology in, in, in many ways. I guess that's a lesson for any startup founders who are listening that despite how groundbreaking and and incredible that your invention your product can be you still have to have the business sense behind it in order to to get the implementation correct yeah it is uh the world is uh the world is tough you need to you need to get many things right to be a success um uh uh fortunately generally uh good technologies that uh that treat unmet medical needs and there's most of them find their way because at the end of the day, the role of our entire industry, the role of all of us is to, is to help uh, advance medicine. And so uh, usually kind of uh, if you have a technology that advances medicine, it will find its way. Uh, but yeah, you need to also run a business and you need to make sure that you, uh, you treat your customers well and that you make sure that they can have successful uh, experiences with your technology. And you need to make sure that you, you, you run your business prudently Um uh, there's many things necessary for success. We're talking with David Fischel, who's the CEO of Stereo Taxis, which is moving from the Cortex Innovation District to downtown St. Louis. And it seems fitting, uh, David, that uh, you were one of the first, I believe, into 
the Cortex District before we had all these new buildings. People think of, uh, you know, 4240 with the at symbol. But CET, the Center for Emerging Technologies, predates all of that by years. And that's where you've been. And now you're moving downtown just as there's an effort to establish a new innovation district there. It seems like you guys are on the forefront of the efforts to develop the city of St. Louis. I guess so. We like to pioneer medicine, and so we're advancing uh, the cutting edge of technology in uh, in uh, in surgery. And I guess we also like to pioneer the real estate in St. Louis. Yeah, why has it been so good for stereotaxis to grow in St. Louis as opposed to some of the other cities that might have uh, a biomed focus, uh, San Francisco or Boston, for instance? What has it been about St. Louis that's been so great uh, for and fertile for your growth? I think what has really been helpful uh, being based in St. Louis has been our relationship, one, with Barnes Jewish Hospital and the the great talent on the engineering side, particularly, that exists, uh, likely due to the universities in the area and due to to some of the larger uh, companies like Boeing. And so I think kind of the combination of those two have been very helpful in allowing us to to develop technology that is uh, is kind of at the cutting edge, and and uh, and to collaborate with physicians uh, that 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 understand the field uh, as good as not better than anyone, and um, and so I think those two factors have been particularly beneficial. Can you tell us about the building you're moving to, the Globe Building, the space, just aesthetically, you know, the cool space you're going to be moving into, but also this building is at the nexus of electric internet all of the different utilities that that uh, tech startups need uh talk about the globe building and why specifically a uh, downtown and this now innovation district area is so appealing sure so we we were excited when we saw the globe uh, you have this on the one hand a historic building but on the other hand the inside of it has been uh, very much modernized and um and and the Globe uh, partnered with us in a nice fashion to make sure that we could have a space that would support uh, many years of growth and that would really allow us to enhance uh, the, the interaction between our team and the ability to manufacture many more robots in the future. And so that was that was kind of an exciting uh, ability uh, to join um, kind of a, a nice space aesthetically uh, with very modern tenants, very modern facilities in terms of the IT connectivity and um, uh, and, and and to have a space that really would facilitate long-term growth for our company. The, for, for a long time, the thought has been for companies to go to uh, office parks surrounded by parking and it's just your company and uh, you, know, you put up these walls. And it seems like now with these innovation districts, the focus uh, for businesses is on collaboration and tearing down those walls. Uh, it's remarkable to hear about the yeast maker and the um, – the military contractor in the Cortex District, whose offices are near each other. They're not in the same business at all, and yet their employees manage to find ways to collaborate and communicate and, and trade ideas. Can you, can you talk about this new approach and why it's so valuable uh, to have these kinds of interactions, or as Travis Sheridan calls them, serendipitous collisions? I love that. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful term. Serendipitous collisions. Um, I think you, you're just right. The world is a is a complex world. Uh, we benefit as a society by having cities. Right. That's why we don't all live uh, isolated in uh, in the furthest reaches of the world. We gather together in cities, and uh, and we collaborate together uh, in universities, and we. Uh, 
generally open open ecosystems uh, collaborative ecosystems have brought about amazing progress uh, across all aspects of society whether you look at science or you look at art or whether you look at literature uh, you look at government um, and so you want to build open societies um, and, uh, and 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 I think the same thing is in business uh, there's there's a benefit to having a uh a, a kind of a cybersecurity company in the same space and to having a design shop in the same space and to have a it, there there's value that comes from the ability of of proximity um and uh and and so i think again it's it's nice kind of we our goal is not to live in a, in a in a secluded tower or in an ivory tower uh, you want to work in the real world you want to collaborate with others you want to see what others are doing you learn from others in completely different fields and you uh, take those seeds of uh, of wisdom and and apply them in your own uh, that's that's how progress gets made in the in the best way well david to finish up i want to ask you i want to circle back to the the product itself and ask with uh, the last year and the pandemic, we've seen the rise of telemedicine, uh, people using their phones to consult with their doctors so they don't have to go in, they can stay socially distant. But what about you know surgical robotics as well? That helps uh, in terms of what we're dealing with immediately and putting distance between people. But uh, just generally, what has been the impact of the pandemic on the adoption of new technologies and just, just people, whether they're, they're patients or medical providers, breaking out of the this is the way we've always done it mindset. Yeah. So, so there's been both a positive and negative impact. And on the overall, I'd say that the negative has, the, the impact has been negative just because hospitals unfortunately have, uh, have, have suffered financially and uh, have been very much preoccupied and focused on, on treating COVID patients. And so overall you have that pressure uh, that that limits both the bandwidth uh, mentally and the financial bandwidth uh, to invest in new technologies by hospitals. Um, but but we were fortunate. We uh, we we launched uh, in in early March, just as uh, COVID was starting. We received FDA approval uh, for uh, for our latest uh, robotic system, uh, which was really kind of a a major upgrade to the robotic system uh, that otherwise had previously been more or less uh, static for about 15 years. And so uh, that was obviously a very difficult time to launch. We we're fortunate that we had two uh, pioneering hospitals, one in the U.S. and one in Europe, that uh, that uh, still. Kind of launched the system last summer and were able to uh, showcase how well it worked and um, and then we just announced uh, very recently that we had five hospitals globally that adopted the system uh, have, have put orders and will be uh, installing the system in the coming few months and so we have kind of seen uh, have an ability to work through the challenges that COVID provided. I think very specifically to COVID though, and the, the concept of telemedicine, there was actually one beautiful publication that came out uh, in, in roughly the early summer of last year uh, by an Italian physician. If, if you remember kind of at the very beginning, uh, Italy was particularly hit hard with COVID. And in most of these procedures, typically, if you don't have a robot, you the physician stands for several hours uh, right by the patient's uh, bedside and, and is doing the procedure there. And in our case, they, they do the procedure from a computer cockpit uh, a few feet away. And so this publication was on how, uh, how they were treating uh, ventricular storm patients, which is a particularly dangerous type of arrhythmia that seemed to have become uh, somewhat more common uh, also with COVID and um, and how they were treating this very dangerous arrhythmia uh, in a COVID patient. And 
by doing it robotically, keeping themselves safe, but by maintaining a distance between themselves and the patient uh, for the hours long procedure. And so I think kind of uh, we have seen some examples of how our technology has has fortunately been able to help um, uh, despite the difficult environment. And um, and like in most things in life, we carry on. And and uh, at the end of the day, uh, hospitals will adopt technologies that uh, that help their patients. And um, and will we continue to work to make sure that we can ride out uh, the difficult periods. Watch for Stereotaxis' products in a hospital near you, and I believe you're going to have some exterior signage that says Stereotaxis on the uh, the Globe Building downtown. Is that right? I hope so. We'll try to make something nice. All right. David Fischel, the CEO of Stereotaxis, moving from Cortex to the Globe Building in downtown St. Louis. Thank you so much for your time, David. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Stay tuned. We'll have more Nothing Impossible local innovation stories after this on KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. March 14th, which is 314-314. That means it's St. Louis Day, 314. And Jason Hall is the CEO of Greater St. Louis, Inc. And he's joining us right now. And I'm sure we have a whole slate of events coming up over the weekend to celebrate, right? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it is going to be an exciting weekend. You know, a few years ago, a bunch of groups came together and said, we have got to do a better job of telling the St. Louis story, the positive things that are happening in our community and how we're moving forward. And it so happened that we launched that two years ago on March 14th. And it's become over the last couple of years, this big day of regional pride, celebrating who we are. And uh, all week and and, uh, this weekend, recognizing that our small businesses, which really make our community special, you know, and employ families throughout our region, our main streets throughout our region, um, they have really been impacted by the pandemic. So we need to love local STL. And so we're really putting an emphasis on the region to celebrate their pride this year by going out and shopping and buying local. All right, so go to thestl.com for more information. Of course, if you're out and about visiting your local restaurants and businesses, you can hashtag LoveLocalSTL and get in on the action. Anything else you want to tell us, Jason? No, I just uh, show your pride. Um, We're all in this together. Uh, There's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. St. Louis is well-positioned so much momentum right now in our region. Um, and uh, we all need to be a part of that. Uh, and one of the things we can do is show our pride and be ambassadors uh, for the region and support our great local businesses. So I think, thank you for the opportunity to share that. Well, let's all support local this weekend, and we all love St. Louis. It is the STL Made Movement, and Sunday is officially STL Day because it's 314. Jason Hall of Greater St. Louis, Inc., thanks for the time. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Nothing Impossible. That's the name of our show about innovation, forward thinking, what's next in St. Louis. Michael Calhoun with you, along with. Along with Travis Sheridan. Uh, Michael, there's, uh, there's some resources coming to St. Louis soon. About half a billion dollars worth of resources. Yeah, I I believe it's more than $500 million. That's part of the American Rescue Plan that's coming to St. Louis. 
And what uh, what should the city use that for, for maximum effect? Let's talk with Bruce Katz of New Localism Associates, who's been working on the STL 2030 jobs plan. Uh, thank you for joining us on KMOX, Bruce. Michael and Travis. Uh, this plan is a, a project of Greater STL Inc. And give us an update on, well, first of all, give us a, a, a quick summary for folks who are just tuning in and who haven't heard our previous coverage on this. What does the STL 2030 jobs plan look at? Uh, well, the STL 2030 jobs plan uh, is a 10-year jobs plan for the entire metropolitan area. So city of St. Louis, county of St. Louis, and, and the broader metropolitan area on both sides of the Mississippi River. And this was an exercise we undertook with uh, Civic Progress and now Greater STL Inc. last year during the pandemic. Um, And we engaged hundreds of stakeholders across the region to help us think through what are the special distinctive assets and advantages of the St. Louis Metro. You have many, um, whether it's biosciences or location science or your, your transportation, distribution, logistics. And what are the kind of strategies that you can pursue around innovation, around workforce, around small business, around the redevelopment of the city itself as the core of the region. So this is a action plan, not necessarily a report, um, which is meant to be executed and delivered. And as we talk, this federal funding flow could be an early down payment of some of the significant strategies we identified in the jobs plan with, with stakeholders throughout the region. Well, Bruce, you mentioned two of those sectors, uh, the biosciences and then location sciences, or, you know, we often talk about geospatial having a big presence here. Uh, I would, you know, my guess is the general public probably assumes that you need a lot of advanced degrees in education in in order to pursue careers in those fields. But the research that you've done, do you see that this, there are some earlier and easier ways of points of entry for people, maybe through community college programming, vocational programming? so that, that many people can participate in these fields? Well, that's, a, that's really a great question, because when you, when you use the phrase advanced industries, you know, industries that are really driven by research and development and by STEM workers, science, technology, engineering, and math, many people presume, well, you have to have a doctorate from Washington University or SLU or UMSL. Actually, about half of the jobs in many of these industries can be occupied by people who have the right credentials, who have the right skills. And a lot of that can be gained through special community college programs that are carried out in close collaboration with corporations and clusters of companies. So as St. Louis grows its distinctive job base, and from a global perspective, not just a U.S. perspective, what St. Louis has in biosciences and location science portions of advanced manufacturing is globally significant. So if you can grow this base, the multiplier effect is very, very high for large portions of your residents. So, Bruce, when it comes to training people up for careers, I imagine that public funding is suggested to be a part of that, and could that potentially be part of the windfall from this American Rescue Plan? Well, the American Rescue Plan is a rescue plan. Right. Um, it, it is really meant to help cities, counties and states plug their fiscal holes, but make critical investments so we can get back 
to normalcy, essentially, uh, as the vaccines, the vaccine distribution accelerates around the country. But there is flexibility in this plan. So if there is a decision made to begin to invest in what we would call workforce development or human capital, um, those are the kind of investments that are that can be made. And um, the city, the county and the state or the counties in the state will make those decisions as they see fit. As the year progresses, what I expect is that the Biden administration is going to put forward a special plan around investment in community colleges, and you have great community colleges, and workforce development programs. So this American Rescue Plan is essentially the first wave of what could be multiple waves of federal investment um, that is really geared to make sure that we deal with the urgent needs right now but then prepare for a broader, more inclusive recovery going forward. Well, uh, the St. Louis region got a, uh, a, a large share of what was coming to the state of Missouri. How do you see the allotment that um, St. Louis region is receiving? How does that compare across the country, other peer metros similar to St. Louis? Well, these are driven by, by formulas at the federal government. Some are based by on population. Some factor in issues like poverty or the age of housing. So the city of St. Louis, because uh, its allocation was driven by other criteria than just population, did very, very well. Um, because uh, it tends to have a higher poverty rate and because it, was, it tends to have older housing stock in many parts of the community. The, the key now is how does the city both first and foremost plug some very serious budget holes because of the loss of tax revenue in the last year during the lockdown. But if there is flexible spending, how do you basically invest um, in, in perhaps in, in, in building up the capacity of, let's say, an invest STL um, or some of your workforce development intermediaries? or some groups that are essentially trying to match the purchasing coming out of your universities and hospitals uh, and corporations and utilities with, let's say, black and Latino small business. So there's a lot of flexibility here. And if investments are made smartly, I think you can see not just immediate effect, but also longer-term effect. And that's what um, mayors and city councils um, and, and and business and civic leaders across the country are really wrestling with now. So what can the American Rescue Plan, or what, what would your recommendations be uh, within the parameters for the American Rescue Plan versus what would you then say that the cities like St. Louis should advocate for future funding in an infrastructure bill or federal workforce development um, I guess, what's the, what's the division? What can be done now versus what should be saved for the future? Well, I, th- I think that's a very important demarcation, the now and the next, right? They inform each other. They relate to each other. But we have urgent needs right now, and that's why the American Rescue Plan exists in the first place, um, whether it's unemployment, uh, whether it's small businesses that are shuttered whether it's main streets and business districts and commercial corridors that are essentially vacant and lost their vibrancy. So I think there are many kinds of investments that can be made now that deal with the immediate impacts of this pandemic 
on the fiscal revenues of the city and the county, police, fire, education, sanitation, etc., but also health and economic impacts. This bill was crafted so it fundamentally relates to the impacts of the pandemic in many respects. So I would say that as the city and the county and the state move forward here um, and try to determine how to allocate resources beyond plugging fiscal holes, right, because that's the first order of some of this flexible money, um, it, it should be looking towards these impacts on small business and impacts on certain portions of the city or county or counties. Um, and this could unify the metropolitan area because, frankly, if you're a Main Street in North St. Louis or you're a Main Street in St. Louis County or you're a Main Street in St. Charles or on the Illinois side of the river, uh, you've been hit hard, right? So there could be a unifying effect and a, almost a, a collective approach to bringing back the entire metro. As you cycle forward, you should be thinking about large investments in infrastructure for sure, not just transportation, but energy, broadband, schools, but also investments in innovation and human capital. Again, you are a globally significant platform for biosciences, geospatial, ag tech, fintech, and beyond. And so you could be seeing new centers of excellence. We have an advanced manufacturing innovation hub that we recommend. All that could be part of a package that comes later. And the key here is to grow quality jobs in St. Louis and fill those jobs with local residents with the right credentials. It is totally doable. You mentioned, Bruce, I just want to follow up about the, the Main Street businesses from Alton yeah. to O'Fallon and North St. Louis and North St. Louis County. And uh, did you suggest a regional effort? Are you saying that maybe the city, the county, St. Charles should pool their money, uh, or at least some of it, and create a regional program for this? Because I'm thinking back to the start of the pandemic when, uh, you know, St. Louis County had money for contact tracers and the city didn't. And where you've got, um, it, it just seems like the divisions with the restrictions happening at different times on both sides of the line. With the research you've done for the jobs plan, is something like that feasible in the St. Louis region? I think it's feasible. Um, we recommend a Main Street STL effort. At a minimum, there should be knowledge sharing, information transfer, close collaboration with the banks and other financial institutions to help accelerate a return to vibrance and vitality across the region. At a maximum, you could be thinking about collective pools of capital working with your banks um, so that small businesses come back faster and these main streets come back faster. So this is a way to bring regional cohesion um, and identity. In many ways, the St. Louis Metro is a network of villages. And, and many residents, what we heard as we talked to them, feel very strongly about these nodes of commerce, but they're also nodes of civic life. So this could be a way for the metropolitan area to really move beyond fragmented you know, governmental lines and work as a true metropolis around the comeback of business districts and main streets and the small businesses that populate them. Bruce, you mentioned the now and the next in relation to uh, some of this infrastructure and, and the recovery. Uh, but in the now and the next of the 2030 jobs plan, plan what is, what are, what's some of the low-hanging fruit? Uh, because there are people that are impacted mostly due to COVID that 
uh, we people need jobs now or upskilling their jobs. What's some of the immediate actions and what as you're collecting feedback from the community as the plan has been out there, what what are some longer term actions for the jobs plan? I think the low hanging fruit is upgrading the skills of workers uh, to meet the demands of new technologies across multiple kinds of companies. We hear this in the financial services sector. We hear this in the manufacturing sector. Um, we hear this in, in the hospitals, right? These, again, are jobs that are accessible to people with the right credentials and skills. And we are going to see labor um, demand very fast as we move to recovery. But technology has also moved very fast. So people need to get a little bit of an upgrade here. And I'm not talking about two years credentialing, essentially. I'm talking about almost quick strike boot camps you see with launch code and some other efforts that have been underway in St. Louis for many years. I would say the other immediate piece has got to be around small business. Small business has been slammed by this pandemic, right? Particularly Main Street businesses and particularly black and Latino businesses because they tend to be very small. So a focus on workforce development and small business really relates to the urgency of the urgent needs of this pandemic. And it also prepares you because you could model certain behavior, as we talked about before, a, a metropolitan approach to Main Street or greater collaboration with your banks and financial institutions or your skills providers. This is a way of getting beyond the fragmentation to a unified metropolitan area. My view is St. Louis, by having a 10-year jobs plan, is better prepared than just about any other metro to leverage federal investments for large, inclusive, and sustainable impact. And, and this, is a, this is a remarkable moment for St. Louis. You can come out of this pandemic stronger and more resilient. We're talking with Bruce Katz of New Localism Associates about the STL 2030 jobs plan. Uh, tell us what the entrepreneurial surge has to do with. Well, I think, um, I think for everyone listening to this, uh, everyone understands the role of small business uh, in city, county, and metropolitan economies. It is absolutely fundamental. In the U.S., we have tended to focus on tech entrepreneurs. I think this pandemic has taught us the criticality, the critical role that small businesses involved in local commerce play. And so what we're looking for is a continuum of capital, um, private and public, that could be provided to a continuum of enterprises. Some will be commercializing research out of WashU, let's say. Some will be tech-enabled companies that Arch Grants deals with so well. But some of them really are local, authentic, uh, small businesses that are dealing with uh, the consumer demands uh, in, in, your, in your metropolitan area. And what they are hungry for is not just traditional debt products, right? Because many have seen their assets depleted and their credit really uh, circumscribed by this pandemic. They're looking for different kinds of investments. St. Louis, I think, because of your financial services prowess, could actually be at the vanguard of helping hundreds, if not thousands, of entrepreneurs realize their dream uh, and come back after the pandemic, um, either within main streets or more broadly throughout the metropolitan area. Uh, this this is really, I think, one of the innovations that will occur uh, post-pandemic. 
And first, do, is the 2030 jobs plan open commenting uh, phase? Is that still going on, or are comments closed on that? Well, we've we've got three months of comments, and by the way, I, the comments were constructive. They were civil. They were specific. I mean, I was involved in a lot of these plans. People really engaged, and they engaged in public forum and forums, and they engaged online with written comments. So my view, and I think the view of Greater STL, is this is a living document. So this, to some extent, comments never really close, but we're trying to put the finishing touches to this plan. And when, when people see the jobs plan, I think what they're going to see is we have responded to dozens, if not more, comments in very specific and, um, you know, appropriate ways. And so I, I, I think the you know, what we've seen throughout this very difficult period is a level of positive energy, frankly, from many people in the community across multiple jurisdictional lines um, who, who really want to use the recovery period to build a different St. Louis. That came across loud and clear in the comments. Well, you can go to greaterstlinc.com slash jobs plan to check it out for yourself. And we always enjoy talking with Bruce Katz of New Localism Associates. Thank you so much for your time, Bruce. Well, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks for joining us for this week's Nothing Impossible. We'll be back next week with more stories about innovation and entrepreneurship in the St. Louis region. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.